Here we go. So welcome back, everybody. Uh, we've got Lucy V. Freeman with us in the house. <laughs> <laughs> and we will get underway straight away. I hope that Tracy was able to sort everybody out. I hope you all got to Grey Gables okay. Be really interested to know what all of your accommodation is like later as well. We're really interested in how those average venues are, are working out for everybody. What we're going to do first off, though, is um, record our um, Dumpty Dum sing-along to go to play out at the beginning of the Dumpty Dum podcast, which over Zoom is, is one of the most challenging and uh, frightening things to hear, but good fun nonetheless. And then we'll go into our um, into our award ceremony and then with Lucy. I don't know if Mia Fox is in the room, but... Um, uh, yeah. I am. There. And I will try and record it. Oh, very good. I was going to say, do you want to do the honours? <laughs> I will do. Honours, honours, honours. I want to say something before we start. Um, so Jim posted the one from Reading with you and I pumping the beat and all I can say about that is you don't get much of that to the pound <laughs> there was it was it was musical and it was it was booby <laughs> booby it was yeah both of us, both of us together do you want to do the plan, to say? I do not think participation. Right. Oh, good. Oh, thank God. Right. So, we need to hear from you. So, unmute yourself. Okay. It should be a, a Tower of Babel cacophony. <coughs> and if you can pin Mia, who appears to have a boozer behind her. Very good. It's not Ian Pepperell's pub, is it? No, it's the ball. Oh. Oh, Lucy, we had uh, Roy on last night, and I, honestly, I thought by the end, he was like, I've got eight bedrooms, everyone roll to mine. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely hilarious. So, if you've unmuted yourselves, well, Alistair, and what are you doing in a vaulted... What's that? Is that Lola Loxley? Very good. Is that nice. Julian Targeter behind you on the wall? No. <laughs> Supersonic. Just no. Um, what note do we start on? Give us no. a note. All of them. Mia. It's a beautiful thing. Wait for me. Wait for me. <laughs> <laughs> Wait for it. Don't forget the, uh, the, the, the shape at the end, okay? Very important. Are you ready? I mean, it's an insult to music. Um, right, we'll send that over to Dumpty Dum and they'll see what they can do with it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm opening the wine and it sounded horrific. 
So well done. Well done. Oh, if yeah. you would have done better. Cheers. Cheers. I'll, I'll send that over to Royfield. Don't worry. Uh, yes, uh, Marilyn Mornington has just reminded us, God bless John Popham. So oh, yeah. I've been waiting yeah. for the right moment and I'm doing it before I have a drink because I'll cry. Um, so those of you who've been with us for a while will know that John was responsible for streaming all our conferences from Lincoln after Lincoln onwards. And he has the- Go on to earplugs if you want. He has the- Go on to earplugs later on if you want. He has the archive um, of all the stuff online. And he came to Reading and he was a little bit um, down in the mouth because he's had a diagnosis of cancer, but didn't expect it to kind of escalate as it did. And he died a few months ago. And we've dedicated the new book to him. Uh, as we as requested by the, by uh, our, our academic archers and all we could think of for the uh, dedication for John Popham a class act so those of you who knew him uh, R.I.P. John his whole life was about putting democratic events online and engaging people and using tech and he was an amazing guy so there we are um so again we're taking you on an emotional roller coaster it's goats to memorials to slavery to alcohol fecal Ugh. right now this is our favorite bit of the whole conference so now we've got 146 people here that seems about right this year we've thought of a really funny thing so let me just um the first question is People that managed to play the quiz last night, the winning scores were nine, weren't they? Who managed a nine out of about 95? Did anyone manage a nine that's prepared to admit it? My parents did, because they got all the music ones. Someone said they, someone said they got 13. Who got 13? I don't know, you'll have to look in the chat. Sally, I, I don't know who chat, it was. Darling. It's amazing. Are we getting Yes, I, I thought you said, a day at the races, at Felpersham races with Lillian. Well, you, I think that's definitely your fantasy life. Um, who got 13 in the quiz? I don't, I don't know. Someone definitely put 13 in the in the in the. Is that someone owning up? No, Louisa, you have your hand up. Was it you? Yeah, it's just me. The only reason I did so well is because like, all the music ones right. <laughs> Same with my face. So. Anybody, so so raise hands. So if you got 13 points, that's Louisa. If you got 12, Alison and Alistair. Ooh. Yeah, I'm writing them down. So we've got Louisa Steele. Hello, darling. We've got Ali and Ali. I don't know how they can keep going. Anybody get. Ted. Oh no, Claire, Claire Asprey got a nine. And so did mum and dad, didn't they? Claire Asprey, nine. And Alan and Patsy. Lena Samuels. Really? Anybody else above nine? So what we decided was. Want me to do it. It's fine, yeah. Right, so those, those, these names, one, two, three, four, 
five, six, seven of you, you will receive a special prize when we've gone through the certificates. And we'll tell you what that is in Tracy a moment. As well. And Tracy Carroll. Oh, good. Thank you. Good. Right. This okay. year's awards. Right. And of course, we're going to have the really slow, jittery uh, transfer on of one slide to the next. We're having a problem with Zoom. That right. old favourite. Uh, so. I hope everybody's got a drink in front of them because we have to toast our winners. So. Right. Ladies and gentlemen, it's the most awaited award uh, show of the year. Here we are in the Chinese theatre in Hollywood, USA, <laughs> to present the prizes for academic archers. Now, this first one, I'm not sure here yet, but, you know, very good. Right. Now, I hope you all enjoyed a bit of yoga. That was the only way we could actually put a break in. So we are giving an award to my sister for the Academic Archers Award for Most Excellent Wellness Activity. So Catherine Valentine, give us a wave. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, darling. Hello. Did you enjoy doing it? Oh my, I loved it. It was so much fun. Oh, very good. Well, listen, the, the, some of these people are quite old and infirm and quite rich. So, you know, basically follow <laughs> find my sisters. She can make you. She can make you live and limber. Absolutely. Uh, anyway, I that. down the wall this morning. I can do anything. Very good. Very good. You're amazing, darling. Thank you so much. Congratulations, and congratulations for the most excellent wellness activity. <laughs> Cheers. 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 Here's to you. So sorry, slowness. Going on to the next one. Come on. It should be 2021, surely. Oh, yes, it is. I keep doing that, you know. It's, it's nothing, not in my head. It's because nothing's happened. But, uh, oh, come on, machine. All right. This is so annoying. There we go. Right. It's given. Normally, this would be best dressed, which obviously I would win again uh, in my dreams. Best Zoom background. So this is the best dressed of 2021. 2021 Zoom background. We've got so we've got more than one winner for this. This so, is our hotly contested competition. Yeah. This one. Honourable mentions: Jane Roth for her triptych of academic archers tea towels. Helen Burrows for having Hilda Ogden on her head all the way to the end of modern slavery, <laughs> nearly putting me right off my stride. And Olivia Van Dyke for the triptych of academic archers books and the sort of diner writing as well. So, ladies, you win best Zoom background. Oh. Any of you would like to make a speech, that's perfectly fine. If not, we just wait your I do need to make a small speech. Oh, um, I got it off Mia. You got it off Mia? <laughs> <laughs> you have to share your prize. Yes. All right, we yes. can um, we can put we can accommodate that. that. <laughs> I am just delighted. I have never won a prize before. And that's because you're very average, Olivia. That's so true. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're amazing. I'm surprised it's taken you this long to win an award. But at least you're starting off with the best award you yes. could possibly win. Because so, yes. Olivia, ever since she joined us in Lincoln, say five years ago, has just been such an advocate of the curious, generous, joyful. And I fully expect it to be tattooed on her bottom at some time in her life. Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? Above and beyond. Right. 
the Environment Agency Award for detoxifying the AM and keeping the Facebook stream clean. Sally Cadle, Michelle Leverick and Michael Ray have all provided honourable service this year. And when people pop up and say rude things to other people, the fact that the three of you normally wrestle them to the ground with kindness <laughs> has made me not want to shoot myself rather than moderate. So, Sally, are you, you have anything to say about this award? <laughs> I am humbled. <laughs> You've got a lot to be humble about. <laughs> now, are you here, darling, or are you doing some folk music thing? I can't remember. I'd like to thank my mother for everything she's done for me. You're, yes. Are you in your smoking jacket, Michael? I'm, I'm channeling my inner Nelson Gabriel. You look, <laughs> you look as loose, you look as loose as, I can't even get into it. You should wear your crack cap as well. No, I've, I've got the proper hat for it. Hang on, two seconds. Yeah, okay. Bed hats, definitely a category that, like, what is going on here? You look like a cardinal oh, in the Catholic church. <laughs> no, that's it, yeah. Brilliant. Oh, Michelle, darling, you have won an award for your positivity on Facebook. I don't know what to say. I'm so humbled. <laughs> You've got a lot to be humbled about, too. This is very good humbleness. Very good humbleness. Right. I like to brag about my humbleness. You, you, you brag it up. Brag it on the group. Humble brag. Humble brag. Hashtag. So, sorry. I was just having a nice drink of my wine. This, so in real academia, in those boring meetings that we no longer attend since we left fairly soon after we realised that we couldn't get permanent jobs, there is a phenomenon called impact. And people with no friends or no ability to communicate turn themselves inside out, trying to think of ways they can be relevant, having spent most of their careers hiding from the public. Yeah. That, that that's, the, the, that's, that's the, the impact agenda. Yeah. So the impact agenda. Um, meanwhile, people that have got lots of interesting things to say um, are somewhat excluded from the academy. So, you know, we've got a basic critique. We've got, we've got a fairly, fairly well-developed critique of the whole uh, political economy of uh, the production. I can get another bottle of red wine. Intellectual <laughs> labour. However, the impact agenda exists and many academics would give their eye teeth for the kind of engagement. Unfortunately. <laughs> for the kind of engagement that we take for granted because obviously I can't stop looking at Michael Rowan's shoulders. It's literally, is it leather, darling? Is that leather? No, that's a lovely silk, isn't it? It's sateen. Yeah, it's sateen. Mm. Very nice. You, you're on mute, but it's probably a good thing. So, <laughs> Academic Archers Award for Best Impact. It goes to Claire Asbury for her blog on the Chartered Institute of Housing website, Flapjacks and Feudalism, explaining her Emma Grundy's housing pathway. And if it's not um, something that's hit the, the front page of your, of your local paper, it should have done. It's bloody brilliant. Claire, are you about? I'm honoured. Thank you so much. Well, I tell you what, you know, you, oh, I love your spots. That's Nice, nice. I tell you what, you, yeah. Housing academics would kill for that kind of coverage of their work, and you've re and you know you really told the story of why Emma is precariously housed. It's bloody brilliant, and I know the Chartered Institute know you for, of old, but I think it will 
change the way people think about families in precarious housing. So, you know. Oh, thank you so much. It's also because, and you know, I see this on Twitter, that my, my housing world and my archers world have significant overlap. And, uh, and that's, how, that's how that happens. Yeah, no, it's brilliant. And I said, the Chocolate Institute, I mean, they're good eggs. And I mean, the thing is, we, we always just stagger to the end of conflicts and then collapse. But when we actually think about it, the sort of spins and the impact that, that for the work could be, you know, and you off your own bat. And we just love that piece mm -hmm. because it, 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 you know, it, it's great. It's really great. Hooray for Claire Asprey. And next time Royfield says you're really a dumpty dumber, are we allowed to poke him in the eye? <laughs> I can be both. <laughs> I don't know if this person is here to I receive her award, although I should have said before, m moving amongst you today uh, has been not only, I don't know if you could see on your screens, there have been some people from the BBC, there have been both producers and writers from the Archers, and there have been some ladies and gentlemen of the press, so I'm, I might have thought of that before I started slamming you all off again, so um, yeah. So, so we've, we've had the usual sort of level of people kind of, um, you know, checking out that we're not being overly, well, we are overly salacious, yeah. But anyway, so, but what, but the biggest thing that's happened in the sort of wider fandom this year, apart from um, Ambridge on the Couch, which we're about to talk about with Lucy, is that Charlotte Higgins, the cultural editor of The Guardian, spent months and months really doing a big review of the cultural social significance of the Archers, the, the peculiarly English epic, The Weird Genius of the Archers. And she's taking over from the much adored Nancy Banksmith for doing a monthly column in Ambridge. And that is really excellent because she is a friend uh, of us. And obviously she, she makes a lot of the, um, she's read all our books and, she, and you know, she's, she's looking at us to sort of help to feed that column in the Guardian every month. Yeah, so. she's a, she's a really genuine fan as well. So it was, a real pleasure to chat with her. It went on for ages, didn't it? Yeah. And it's so good to, to know that there is that genuine fan that's taken over that column. So, so she, like Olivia, she said also that she never won anything. So there we are. Wait, so so that's Charlotte. Hooray for her. Now this this is the biggie. <laughs> did you keep the slide in with the previous winners? No, I didn't. Oh boy, I wanted to do that. So anyway, every year. Our, our research fellows spend a lot of time thinking about the most cunning and ridiculous titles they can think of. This began in the very first year where Dr. Samantha Wal Walton and her piece on Community Orchards, Cider with Grundy, which, you know, it, it, it was it was very geniusy. And subsequently, I think if people were to hear Charlotte Bilby's, it's burns, 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 the village policeman comes around, We you know, we just take off our hats, really. I mean, it's that kind of stuff. Um, Annie Madison Warren, uh, heavy petting, the life, the life of Ambridge's pets. Basically, if you can get something a little bit smutty that actually also connects to your title, you're ours for life. Yeah, yeah. So uh, it is with the utmost of seriousness that we name the 2021 Dr. Samantha Walton Cider with Grundy Award for Best Title to. Alice through the wine glass. I think you can all agree. I don't know if Lou is with us. Are you with us, Lou? She thought she made this is she's not going to be. No, I am here. Oh, you're I... there, fantastic. Darling, 
Peter Crash straight after the last one, but I'm back. I'd, I'd like to thank my family. I did this despite you. <laughs> <laughs> and just, just to really bring down your mood, are we? Is it Dr. Louise Gillies yet or not? No, but it, it's it, it's moving forward. Very good. Very, very good. Darling, you're also, also, despite my family. <laughs> You're an amazing, amazing woman and you're juggling and, and getting getting a PhD hauled over the line with the kind of stuff that you also achieve, full-time work, full-time family. No small feat at all. Amazing. Yeah. We love you. Thank you. This is the best thing I've ever won. <laughs> well, you, you do Maybe win because Emily's years. name, well, because yeah. Emily didn't do it in the end. <laughs> No, it's all right. It's all right. It just that was just a titillate the doctors that maybe there were more doctors, but you know, it's all fine. Clinicians, it's all good. Everybody, you know, everybody cheers, Mary. Cheers. To, our, to our academic archers, doctors. May their CPD be reflexive and their whatever, you know. Can I, can I just say that I'm actually using this in my professional registration as public no, engagement? No, why not? I mean, there was so much content in that. We know that academic arts is captive of the boy. This might get me a, a five grand pay rise. Don't Woo! Woo! Well, <laughs> we're very, we only demand 10%, darling. <laughs> and also, um, so yes, so darling, that was the best title this year. Cara, you're very quiet. What, emotionally or just you can't get a word in? There's nothing I can do. We, we are literally, yeah, 10 centimetres from my laptop today. Um... So, Lou, you rule. And Thank the you. So, those names that we just mentioned, and the people that managed to actually survive Cara's quiz without dying, including Mia Fox. So, um, we have basically acquired a corporate sponsor this weekend because the fact that we haven't gone completely mad has been due to 10 green bottles independent winery in uh, one shop in Brighton. And they're going to do us an online tasting for winners of prizes and winners from the quiz. We're going to, we're going to set a date, the one that we can all do. And they post out wine to you and then you do it online and talk about the wine and all the rest of it. So it's a bit of a party. And we'll set that up in a couple of weeks as a thank you to our winners and, um, and our quiz winners. So that is this year. Normally we give people butternut squashes and lemon drizzle cakes and mad shit. But this year we're having a party. So there we are. Isn't that nice? Can I just ask you to say that again, please? Because because I literally, as you started to say what we might get, the pizza man came. You're going to get a punch up the throat. No. <laughs> it's a wine tasting. You'll get the wine delivered and then we'll have a wine tasting online together. Fab, thank you. Sponsored by 10 Green Bottles, Jubilee Street in Brighton. And that's but what we've been drinking. They're really good. It is one yeah. of the wine Will you email us the certificate? Oh, yeah. yeah. Of course. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'll be on to that next week. Have I'm to frame it. I'm going to sleep tomorrow afternoon, but I will be doing that in the week and I'll put the date right as well. <laughs> Stephen B, you are the most dressed up for the occasion. Oh my lord, you are looking fine. Amaze balls. Amaze balls. Absolutely loving it. Are you naked from the waist down? Don't stand up. I'll leave that to your imagination. As, as you know, our, our imaginations are pretty uh, wild. Right. As if that wasn't enough, 
We are delighted to have um, Ambridge Royalty, the amazing Lucy Freeman, who has been a great chum to us over the years. She came to Reading last year and was in person and it made everyone's weekend so much that we asked her to come again. And so really I have to pass over to my artist liaison department, which is headed by the man in the smoking jacket. So you can awkwardly make small talk, uh, Michael, over Zoom rather than per in person this year. <laughs> so Michael can introduce um, our headlining act this evening. Where have you gone? Have you disappeared? And women's left. Michael mm -hmm. Rowan. Michael Rowan. No, I'm here. I'm here. Artist liaison, please. Yes. Artist liaison. Well, I, I, having won the prize this evening, I thought that was going to be it. But actually, this is far better than all the wine tastings you could put together. <laughs> because... And just hearing Lucy's voice at the beginning of this was making my evening. So can I ask you all the, all the fans of Academic Archers to please put your hands together for the fabulous, the most amazing, superlative, never beaten Lucy Freeman, please. Everybody. It's very weird watching lots of people clapping. It's very strange. Anyway, I never get that. Um, okay, uh, I feel very honored to be asked back again. Uh, not least because I have some excellent news for you all, which uh, Cara and uh, Nick have been very good about keeping quiet so far. Um, uh, basically, as part of a government outreach scheme uh, to help reduce the R rate uh, even further, attendees of the Academic Archers have been chosen to spend the rest of lockdown in Ambridge. Um, Ambridge was picked as there have been no known cases and it is in tier 12. Look at this, someone has just bought me a cocktail. Isn't that marvelous? Mm. So tier 12 means uh, that if you are Welsh, you can come and go freely, apparently in Ambridge. Um, masks are not compulsory unless you are in the village shop and Jim is on the till. Uh, the pub is open, but pensioners have to freeze to death outside uh, under a heat lamp in the Bridge Farm tea rooms. Um, you can also gather in groups of more than six, but only if you're building an assault course. Um, so basically, I'm going to give you an overview of your options for accommodation. And you can let uh, Nick or Karen know at the end who you would choose to stay with. Uh, it's an interesting concept. It's based around evacuees in the Second World War. Uh, except, So think of it like that, except you get more than half an egg a week unless you're staying at Bridge Farm. Um, so here are your choices. Option one is Grange Farm. Uh, it's a commodious home. You may be called upon to join the general activities of a normal small holding, uh, namely baking, plucking day turkeys, uh, tractor work, and trespassing and hunting for fantasy treasure on someone else's farmland. Uh, you will notice that there is an elaborate uh, mobile home two feet away from the back door of the property and the young woman in situ may well invite you in to inspect her upcycled coffee table. Uh, it would be rude to refuse and doing so could put you at risk of small arms fire from her ex-husband. Um, this property is rented by Eddie Grundy and his wife Clary Love. Uh, you will notice that Eddie has a different accent to his wife and both his sons have accents that are different to each other. We can put that down to there being something in the Grange Farm water so you can look forward to the transformation of your own accent by the time that you leave. Uh, there will be small children frequently on the property, one called Georgie who will steal any of your possessions that you haven't nailed down and another one called Parpy 
who was named in tribute to her late great grandfather. Uh, right, next we have Lower Loxley. This is a commodious stately home of extremely uncertain architectural origin. Uh, it veers between Tudor and Georgian, depending on what it's being used for and who you're talking to. Uh, although it has 793 bedrooms, for some reason you will be asked to use Freddie's bedroom. There is only one bathroom, which is unusual in a property of this size, uh, which is an ensuite leading off from the bedroom of Elizabeth, the owner of the property. Don't worry about knocking, she appears to be used to people ambling in and out while she's holding Skype dates in her undercrackers. Uh, there is sometimes a petting zoo at Lower Loxley whenever anyone remembers it, along with a treetop walk, which has so far avoided any fatalities, unlike the rest of the property, which is a positive death trap. There is obviously a family ghost, uh, an art curator called Lewis, who is seen pleading with people to be allowed to leave. Uh, the daughter of the house, Lily, builds kitchens over the phone and is also in residence along with her elderly art teacher, Russ, who has a three-speed kettle. Um, there is one caveat with the property. If you stay here long enough, you will be asked to take part in whatever festivity is next on the calendar. Uh, lack of experience or indeed interest will not stop you being dragooned into the performance and you could well find yourself shepherding a group of bewildered tourists around the grounds. Do pop up to the attic. Every time anyone does, they find something priceless or of great historical interest. Option three is Brookfield. This is the principal farm in Ambridge owned by the Archer family. They are pleasant people as gangland families go. Uh, the grandmother, Jill, was arrested two years ago for a flapjack related assault. The grandson was arrested for ram raiding a cash machine with the JCB and a cousin has just completed a prison sentence for drug dealing. Brookfield really does place you at the heart of the village life, which many prospective evacuees could find appealing. But Brookfield is not for anyone who is A, diabetic, or B, in fragile emotional health, as melodramatic scenes are frequent and stirring. You won't see much of the younger son. In fact, we didn't see or hear anything of him until he was about 16, as he is about to start university in Felpersham, where he is going for a BTEC in chewing. Another caveat here, as I said, the melodramatic alerts are frequent at Brookfield, and the most recent was that they thought they may have Neospora and leptospirosis, but that turned out to be the names of Linda Snell's grandchildren. And one more thing, because the whole family spends so much time with cattle, every time you leave a room in front of them, they have a tendency to slap you on the arse and shout, go on then. Um, option four, Ambridge View. This is a high profile home uh, owned by a local celebrity, Neil Carter, who inadvertently won Pillock of the Month in the uh, Borchester Echo. His wife, Susan, will make you welcome and slightly too welcome if you like chili. They've had a very busy lockdown with Susan organising a crack, crack, crap, crack troop of delivery drivers, the flying tabards, who are delivering supplies to the vulnerable. Although we're not sure why the vulnerable should be expected to live on yoghurt and overpriced chocolate biscuits, which is all that the shop sells. Until recently, Susan was a presenter on local radio, but after she let Bert Fry deliver a three-hour monologue on 100 ways to improve your kneeling, which came after a two-hour extravaganza on mushrooms and a detailed expose of her husband's sexual technique, even Radio Borchester still thought they couldn't let this continue, so they pulled the plug on her halfway through lockdown, but no one dared say anything, so she's been speaking to herself since August. And finally, we have the bull. With pub closures across Britain making national news, it is no surprise that the Bull at Ambridge is now completely empty, but apparently still open. Again, displaying the complex lockdown restrictions that operate in Ambridge. The lack of customers, we think, is more to do with the landlady's singing than COVID. 
It is a quirky and unusual place to stay and you may find that you are sharing a room with one of the Archer family as that is where they go during any marital dispute. The landlord will address you solely through the use of a megaphone. Your food will consist of sandwiches and be prepared by an ex-drug dealer called Wayne and his invisible wife, Beverly Drains. During your stay at the Bull, you will have front row seats for any of the events. The next one coming up is the AGM of the Voluntary it's, Mutism Society. Um, Chair Kathy Perks. So just to remind you, the choices are Grange for, Farm, Lower Loxley, Ambridge View, Brookfield or the Bull. Could you message Cara or Nick using whatever technology you use in this place? And we will see which is the most popular venue to be evacuated to away from COVID. You can put it in the chat, peeps. Yes, put it in the chat. The bull, the bull, the bull, the bull. <laughs> Lolo, I'm sticking to the cricket pavilion, Lolo. Well, the bull, 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 the Lower Loxley, Brook who said Brookfield? Who thinks that where to be? Kate. Hey, hey, it's Kate Crichton. I do not believe you. You were sneaking that in. Explain yourself. Kate Crichton, is that you? See the chat. Where is the chat? Can I see the chat? Am I yeah, oh, chat. Yes, I can. Yeah, yeah. Ah, oh, there it is. Brookfield, Cakes, Amy Saunders. Yes, at least that's 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 Karen one. Henshaw yeah. isn't scruff stored at Brookfield. Canyon Henshaw, that is so on brand for the sort of thing you'd say. Like, like, oh my god. Carolyn's going up to uh uh Tree to find the, the still in the, <laughs> the small hours of the morning. Trayvon, Trayvon, very strategic, loving it. Grange Farm, Clary will look after you well. Can we evict trust? God could we evict. <laughs> Wouldn't that be nice? Wouldn't that be lovely? I think I think probably by now Lily would probably be quite into it as well. Because, um, yeah. Can't tell us where the flapjacks are. Yeah, that, that's fair enough. Lolo because enough. of the kettle. Yeah, I'd go to Lolo, I think. What would you think? <laughs> <Is it> brilliant. <laughs> but I don't want Jazza knocking on my door Okay, Lolo two for the ha ha. Very good, Mary McGarry. That's just uh, that's uh, like we did there. Very clever. Um, Lolo for the win, Olivia Van Dyke, darling. You're Lolo through and through. I think it could be your middle name, in fact. Um, Lolo in the wedding accommodation. Oh, Deborah, you well, you know about booking an Airbnb. <laughs> Free flying parrot in Reading. <laughs> I still tell that anecdote to people. Somebody booked an Airbnb and there was a parrot flying around shitting on everything. <laughs> um, yeah, Greg Gable. Uh, sorry, Lucy Freeman, Lucy B. Freeman. Yes, why can't we all just go to Greg Gables and hole up in the wine cellar? Because by, I think by about next Wednesday, it will have gone completely bust, won't it? Well, it's, it's where we are now, so um, hopefully the amount of gin that our lot go through... Yeah, I'd take the towels with you, otherwise they'll be given to creditors, won't they? Because there's no other money left. 
So somebody said that um, the new editor doesn't like the idea of the hotel and wants to just get it off the books. But the question is, what could it be, Gay Grey Balls? Could it be um, like the, you know, very snazzy, like the laurels? Because I always imagined it was sort of gently going up market, but apparently not. Apparently it's well, if, because the, the, I think that Mince Casey is going to end up taking it over. Do you? Not, no, I not. think, I, 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 I'm with your police work there, but I think he's going to have his hands full with Lolo, Elizabeth. I get it. I mean, he is the new Jack Woolley of. Mm. But I don't think he'll bother with, with that place because the thing is, it's a big... I thought it would become part of the Lolo Empire oh, like, and become like, like an enormous like health retreat or something like that. Yeah, like a Soho farmhouse. Mm. Yeah, I mean that's yeah. the point, right? Is you're imagining at this point that it's just totally past that, you know, totally beyond. Yeah. You, know, yeah. it's, you know, I imagine the carpets are like the ones in The Shining, and there's um, <laughs> there's children peddling around in a really sinister way and it's all a bit damp everything smells a bit the sheets are a bit damp and it's a bit like the Britannia hotel in the middle of Manchester I'm yes. <laughs> well, mm. um, the so Lucy can we are we all right to have some questions from our yes day? of course but I've got one first so let okay. me just the chair's privilege are you team Trazer or team Trolliver oh I think Oliver, actually. I think Oliver for the dramatic pretend. Can you put in the chat if you're Trazer or Trolliver? Because I think there's so much more, you know, Susan would be mm. horrified and class mm. stuff yeah. with Trolliver. Yeah. With Trazer, it's just, you yeah. know, two scrubbers bonking, isn't it? Yeah. And why nothing is going to change if she gets together with Jazza. So Amen. things are only going to get maybe slightly worse or maybe slightly better, but fundamentally they'll carry on the same. Whereas Oliver, that's huge. I think so. Mia Fox says Trolliver, that's good enough for me, babes. Neither. Trazza, no, the thing is, Trazza is only funny short term, right? Uh. But Trolliver is upsetting the apple cart of class in the village. And I don't yeah. think it's not... Not like it's important to look at these uh, more socioeconomic issues in the land. Has everybody seen the book? Um, I just think that there's so much more dramatic potential in Yeah. Yeah. Trazer's got legs. Well, yes, four. Don't you think the relationship between Tracy and Jazza is one of those where they fall out and fall in love, fall out and fall in love? They have these big rows, but then they always come back to each other. Yeah, but I find that so tedious. I can't even get there. That's Michelle Loverick, isn't it? I've got it. It's patriarchal heteronormativity. Yeah, it's really real. Very good, Karen. It's yeah, het norm, but also, God, aren't we all bored of like, he only teases because he likes you. Yeah. Can't we have something yeah. else? And also, I, I can barely say out loud that it's a flaming love triangle again because, you know, other shapes are available, Pete, come along. Like... Uh. He can go back to Beatrix and Benedict. Oh, yeah. Is the appeal of Oliver and Tracy of a class divide? Well, who's that? Is that still Michelle? Yeah, is the appeal of Oliver and Tracy love across the class divide? Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. So much dramatic dramatic potential. Uh Yeah, it's May to December, May to September. 
Exactly. <laughs> yeah, there's an age gap, there's a class divide. This is rich. This is a rich scene. Rich scene to be, yeah, yeah. And also for Tracy to go, I mean, I don't really care about Oliver because he's fine, but for Tracy to go from receptionist to, you know, yeah, Chatelaine yeah. of Gay Grables, it's, it's just, just bloody amazing. And it's, it's right because Tracy Rids is just the bomb, right? She's like, yeah, she really is. And she needs yeah. to do more. So, yeah. her, and, and, and they love writing for her because her comic timing's so good. Kerry Damn loves right. writing. She is the, she's bloody amazing. Because yeah. she's really good mates with your Shambridge, isn't she? Yeah, she is. Tracy yeah. Rids. Yeah. I mean, I just think she could be... The point is, if she gets together with Jazza, it's all a bit, you know, Onslow from... from yes. Um, yeah, 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 absolutely. Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. I think bollocks. I think Trolliver. And it would be just worth it to watch Susan's head explode. Oh, she I wouldn't know who to show off about. Oh, no, I realise what's Susan will be so jealous and so proud. She won't know whether she's pleased or not. Yeah, Damn right, exactly. But that's yeah. dramatic, right? That's genuine oh. drama. Not what passes for drama in Brookfield, which is, I'm going to be really angry until you're really fine about it, and then Pip doesn't know if it's coming or going. Like, yes. That's, no. This is like, I'm going to tell you that I'm fine about it, and then I'm going to wait till you've relaxed and then grab you by the throat again. That's what Damn she does, right. This is why she can't make a decision, even <sighs> between the fair brethren. I am. Um, I'm interested. Alice is going to be a bit of a disappointment now, so Trolliver would be great. Yeah, mm, Trolley. Okay, yeah. Trolley. That's even better yeah. because that's yeah. taking the end off Oliver. It's Trazer Trolley, Trazer Trolley, face off. And I think you're right. I think you know it's all very well. Trazer, Trazer is all that you know. Yeah, he, he means to you because he likes you. Mia Fox is saying no, no. She says, "Tell us why, Mia Fox. You you're muted." And I can see the hand gestures. <laughs> what hand gestures is she doing? I can't see her. <laughs> is it just... This is a woman of the cloth. Everybody chill. Oh, okay. Right. <laughs> right. I would love a polyam relationship in Umbridge. Well, yes, now. Sarah Hasn't Kate Emma Mary. already had that? Polyam within one family, admittedly, but you know. I don't know. Do we, do we not no. think that that was just a jape and that it's going to be a big old reveal like hashtag bants that, that they would have been a setup? Nobody would proposition their potential stepbrother. It's just, it's not flaming Mississippi. <laughs> the, the closest we ever came was Justin and Lillian and then they seemed to pull back from it. What, for Polly? Yeah, they, I, just put the blog I, wrote, I just put the blog I wrote about it up there. They, there was so, he almost seemed to be suggesting at the beginning it, it was a poly him and his wife had a poly relationship and then they went back to oh no no she it's don't ask don't tell and I, I don't know if they changed their mind. That's just bollocks though, wasn't it? But isn't just, that just kind of two people who hate each other but can't be asked to get divorced because they can't work out who owns the cat? So they just <laughs> sort of say, well we'll carry on, we'll just sort of bumble on, you know, and we just won't ask. That was a bit of a classic, wasn't it, Miranda? was like Auntie Camilla and was like Hazel. It's that sort of yeah. posho from yeah. elsewhere. That it's, the, it's the Cruella de Vil that gets catapulted in, causes mayhem, no background, so we don't feel any sympathy on purpose, then just poings out again, so we never see her again. That is a, that's, that's a very visual metaphor, Lizzie Bukerman. Thank you very much for that. Thank you much. What we, had, um, we had Annette Badland on Amber on the Couch. Oh, yeah, week. did you? Plays Hazel Woolley, and she Amazing. said... 
she said uh, she always tries to find the truth of a character, even when she's playing a baddie on Doctor Who. She played the Slovene on Doctor Who. And she yeah. said, with Hazel Woolley, I always think it's because she was adopted. She was never sure whether or not she had, whether Jack was a real kind of um, father for her or not. And she said she comes into Brookfield, she comes into Ambridge and it's full of all these really tight knit families and she's jealous, she can't bear it. And she just comes in and just tries to blow yeah, everyone so out of their complacency. And, and I can- I'm guilty yeah. of repeating myself, but you know, I, you're the only people that let me talk about this stuff and it's fine. I think, and, and I know what people are gonna say immediately, when I read The Casual Vacancy, the JK Rowling novel, I really liked it. And there's a character in that who is the woman from another place who comes back with mm. the message about some infidelity which blows a hole right in the middle of the village. I see Hazel like that every time. Mm. And actually, yeah. I'm, I just can't wait for Hazel because, mm. you know, overturning some of the sort of pomposity and the sort of mm. nonsense. Mm. The point is, and you're right, I, and Annette Badlam, because she played an absolute monster in EastEnders. I didn't follow it particularly, but yeah, she... Yeah, she said, I've always asked to, to, to play dreadful, dreadful, evil people. I just think that, I mean, this is sort of one of our kind of things historically, isn't it? That, you know, women of, of means and or, you know, in, not in want of a gentleman are always up and out, you know, straight yeah. on the Hollywood bypass elsewhere, Brenda Tucker... Yeah, and Hazel is a woman of means, mm. and she could be a real antagonist in the situation. Mm. But instead, it is really interesting because, despite how much we sort of, you know, rail against the Ambridge sort of weirdos, when it comes to it, we still see her as attacking them, even yeah. attacking Peggy, and yeah. we then defend Peggy. I mean, come but it's very tribal, isn't it? They're yeah. our tribe, so we're going to protect them, you know, from the outsider, whatever they do. But it is such a trope in drama. The person from another place returns with the information that yeah. you need in the casket yeah. and then blows everything apart. Yeah. And I've always thought that, that, that maybe there's more to come in terms of the woolly money, etc., etc. Well, of course, well, Annette said, as soon as, um, as soon as Peggy dies, she will be in like Flynn. And she, Hazel will be back saying, this is all mine. It's, yeah. you know, everything is mine. I'm going to evict everybody. I'm taking over the cat and whatever else. Can you think of any reality in which you would ever come and live in the village? Me? Yeah. Not you yourself, um, Hazel. If she had the power to bust it open. Yeah, yeah. that's what I mean. If she like, had the power to, to hurt people. Yeah. It's really power. This is the point. Uh, so can, you, can you imagine, you know, the time that Peggy does go, the grieving that will be happening, and then the squabbling. Not from her the, son. No, but then the squabbling mm. within her family. And then Hazel comes in. Yeah. It'll be like an Agatha Christie. It'll be like they'll all have coffee and sherry and cry a bit for about half an hour. Then it'll be right. And the will is where? That's, yeah. You know, yeah. And then it will be six months of squabbling. Absolutely. That's so right. And I mean, I think, and, and I put this in the group in slight frustration in the week because everyone was going, oh, this terrible video, this thing that Peggy's mm. done. I was just kind of like, well, the first thing is, you know, anybody contacting me by email saying, say nice things into the camera. That's you know, personally my personal hell. I've only done it once or twice. And for an, for an older lady, they don't really get it that you're just supposed to simper down the, down the lens. Mm. What I thought about all of that, though, it's this is the Alice storyline. It's not the Tony storyline. And then that's quite telling in terms of 
that Tony, there's always been somebody in the queue in front of Tony, but like, this is all to do with, and I ranted loads about this with the Helen storyline, was that Peggy never got alongside her granddaughter and said, yeah, I was knocked around too. I had that 50 experience of DV and now you're being coercively controlled. So what they're trying to do now is make good on it by the fact that she had the, you know, the Jack Jack Peggy marriage in the 50s or whatever was horrible. So Tony's irrelevant in terms of Tony's birthday. It's all to do with Peggy processing what's coming for Alice and Chris and her life and her life with Jack and her and all of that stuff like yeah but that in itself is sad for tony because there's been a few of people in whom she's invested mm. more than in him mm. and actually yeah. your 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 um your the, the pale imitation of your um subsequent presenters on uh Dumpty Dump was saying oh maybe she had an affair and that's why she can't bear tony and i was really pissed off with that because it's like no it's completely the opposite yeah he is his father's son yeah absolutely and that's the point. He looks yeah. like him. He's yeah. a bit dithery. Yeah. He's yeah. always done the right thing, but she still yeah. despises him. You yeah. Know. Because of Sorry, what he represents. Of what he yeah. No, no, no. I think you're right. I, it's um, he's a he's a little lost boy. Yeah. Tony and his entire. But you do meet people like that who are yeah. seventy and who are still trying to please their mothers. Most yeah. people's mothers still aren't around. But you know, they. You know, you think you you have to take ownership of your own life at some point. You can't keep blaming all these legacy issues. He's going to go to his grave still thinking, mummy never loved me. And that's going to be the driver of his entire life. It's terrible. But I think that's the point, right, though. I think whether I turn out to be the hero of my own life or Mm. whether that station is taken by somebody else, these pages shall show. It's really common. It's yeah. really common. Yeah. You yeah. aren't the protagonist in your own story. Mm-hmm. And how heartbreaking. I mean, this is actually Ian Pepper, apart from trying to get us to go and live with him. He was, <laughs> everyone kept going, uh, I, well, I was just going, you're boring, you're boring. He's like, I can only read what, uh, what they give me to act. You know, that's the point, right? You know, the, 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 the vagaries of the long range plotting is such yeah. that, you know, I don't know, I think, Tony's never been the hero of his own story because it's not no. been his story. No, no. And I also think that he married his mother. I think Pat is as short with him and as critical with him as his own mother is. And I think he's going to go off with Joy Hordle. I think he's going to have a midlife crisis. Yeah, yeah. This. There's, been a, yeah. there's been a little bit of that sort of mooted around talking about friendships earlier uh, and feeling a lot of hope for the um, Tony and Joy friendship. Platonic friendship. That might actually end up. I would love it. I would absolutely love it because mm. I actually think that Tony could be happy. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, happy on his own yeah. terms. Yeah, yeah. And stop seeing him. And also, she she looks up to him. She is the only person who doesn't think he's boring and moany Tony. She really, she genuinely thinks he's a hero. Yeah. That's you know that's what yeah. he needs. Oh my God, Tony needs a threesome. With joy and manages the car. <laughs> well, you're, t- you're thinking that Tony uh, Tony should put his self I, himself up my, the um up the the, the exhaust. Like <laughs> MG bumper baby. Yeah, yeah, exactly, Karen Pollock. Mind bleach. Yeah, exactly. We've had the shower. I don't think you'd get any more extreme than that. Good God. <laughs> I think it's interesting though because it's the same. Uh, you know, we've all had our knives out for Pat a bit, given that. And if you and, it, and you know, 
those of you that have read all our etchings, you know, and all our works, when we interviewed Alison Hindell, she said some really fascinating things. And one of them was, oh. I'm not sure I believe in Pat as a feminist or an activist mm. anymore, which actually we had earlier on from Ruth and um, Rosalind yeah, in their yeah. presentation. And, and, and when I kind of laughed, and then her response was on the phone, it didn't go in the book, was, well, I suppose that's our fault for not making it very believable. And it's almost like Pat ran out of steam yeah. sometime in the late 90s when she yeah. was a Guardian caricature. Yeah. You know. Then she had a brief resurgence when she started to rehabilitate Olwyn and then that just disappeared. No, but I hated that storyline as well. I, I believe yeah. you did too, Lucy V. The Lady Bountiful. Was, that was just such hand-wringing guilt. Mm. You know, her daughter under her very snoot was yeah. taken to yeah. the point of insanity yeah. by a coercive controller. Mm. Her eating disorder as well. I mean, yeah. And also, and again, I'm not sure if my folks are still here. If my husband said to my mum and dad, Nick's in hospital, nothing to see here. Don't worry about it. Mm. You know, we live two hours away. You know, the M6 mm. would be, there would be a noise on the M6, which was then putting the car into reverse. Like, you know, they're yeah. not, you know, she was so biddable and trusted. Yeah. She was yeah. so like, yeah. you know, it was yeah. ridiculous. Claire Asprey, do you want to talk a little bit? You said that you had a really good chat about Pat's feminism during a Saturday session. Do you want to have a little, can you let us know a little bit about um, that? Well, we, we talked about a number of characters and um, I think the thing that I really rem remember is that we, we feel like Pat, um, is no longer a kind of campaigning feminist or any, she, she's feminist as far as her own life is concerned. She, she has control over her own life, but she doesn't have any solidarity. So she doesn't do anything that creates solidarity or works in the interests of other women outside of her, literally her own household. And even within her own household, she wasn't all that. So um, it, was, it, it was very personalized so that she'd gone from being a campaigner. She was no longer a campaigner like she still thought she still believes in equality. She's just not making much of an effort to ensure it for anyone else. Mm. You're a housing specialist. You're a housing specialist, right? How far the baby boomers hoarding of assets has just has destroyed the basis of the future for everybody, whilst they say, "Oh, I'm really a Lib Dem." Like, mm. come along. At some point, one has to shit or get off the pot. <laughs> I don't think you need me to respond to that. I think you've been very clear. <laughs> yes, but I, but I did, we did go into it, didn't we, a little bit earlier on. So Deborah is reminding us, Pat has never recovered from the death of John. It's cast a shadow over the whole of Bridge Farm. Well, yes, that's fair enough. But if you remember what I was saying about the neoliberal necropolitics of modern slavery, that one death of the kind of golden boy of that family has ruined the lives of everybody that it's touched, oh. you know, both Tom and Helen. Johnny, in some ways, apart from his sort of hair problems, this is relatively unscathed, but, um, you know, not all lives are equally grievable. And in oh. some ways it's almost a fetish that Bridge Farm are totally, you know, get the grief counsellor in, yeah. sort them all out. And it's, a reason, it's a reason, not an excuse. I agree. Yeah. Lucy V, do you want to help? Um... I think I think I completely agree that they've never recovered from the death of John, and I think it is that almost I think it's contributed directly to the personality of uh, Sausage Boy and Helen in that they 
Helen has this desire to be perfect to replace what she thinks she's let everybody down by A, not being a boy and B, not being a perfect woman. And Tom just thinks he's not, he's not a man, which is why he has to keep calling in the big boys. You know, my wife won't do what I say, so I'm going to go and ring the police. I mean, how much more of a kind of metaphor do you need? What do you mean you're not going to obey me? Right, I'm going to dial 999. I mean, it's just absolutely insane. Um, <laughs> well, he did. I mean, bearing in mind that he did phone Harrison, who is, is not the most effective. He's not the police. <laughs> <laughs> only Harrison. Yes. <laughs> I would well, say, yes, it's not like in Broadchurch or whatever. Yeah, but it's well, sort do you of... think to that in terms of um, Tom and who he's chosen to marry? I think he felt he was marrying the version of Pat that she wanted to be, but except she turned out not to be that. Yeah, and that's the ball to follow through. Yeah. And now he's kind of adjusting his own sense of expectation of Natasha because he suddenly realised that, oh, she's not my mum. And <laughs> she isn't the woman that I thought she might be. But he can't really, because her views are different to his, he can't really accommodate that. Whenever he comes up against something that is, doesn't exactly fit in his model, he just screams and rings for a grown-up every time. Every so Claire Asprey has, has contributed. Tom putting his foot down was one of the most pathetic attempts I I've ever heard. Oh, I know. I know, it, it really fantastic. was. It's because I was listening to it, I was like, he, 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 <laughs> he just said that. Oh, my God. But it's what a 17-year-old boy says to their first girlfriend when yeah. she says, I am going to go out with Darren and you can't stop me. I mean, not what a married man who's nearly 40. Does. Is he 40? He's 40-ish, whatever. Yeah, he's 40-ish, yeah. It's just, it's like he's never, never met a woman before. Oh, oh God. But then, again, we've just moved, though, from Tony being hopeless to Tom being hopeless. And mm. the point is, right, maybe this is all an extremely clever you know, emotional retardedness kind of, you know, line. I mean, they are all annoying. Mm. <laughs> I, I cannot remember what Pat was like as a mother because that was sort of before my time a bit, but I can't imagine her being warm. Pat is the reverse of warm as Peggy is the reverse of warm. And it's not a coldness, it's a... It's a kind of a defense. She's so defense and she's so tight and so wound up all the time. She can't relax to be warm about anybody. I mean, I don't even remember being a particularly warm to her. She just said, oh, Helen, and that was it. There was no kind of genuine, you know, no, I'm gonna go around there and Polly's knackers off, which is what anybody normal would yeah, want Yeah, totally, to do. and her, her hand yeah. was, was more about her than yep. I, as I yep. remember it, actually, yep. than, than actually really the care for her daughter still. Yeah. There must be... I absolutely love. My ex told me that he lets me do more than other men let them do. I stuck to marriage for the longer than I should have done. Well, let's all just... There, there, there is the phrase, they're, they're people are an ex for a reason. There must be people in the room here that can remember Pat as a mother with those awful children younger than they were. I, I, that, yeah. th there's there's some old episodes on YouTube and I heard one recently where Pat was telling Tony that she was pregnant with um, Tom and Tony was moany then. He was regarded as being miserable and a moaner. What was she like with the children? Was she um, to them? 
there wasn't she wasn't with the children in that episode okay she seemed quite warm in in the way she was telling tony that she was pregnant mm. well i think she is warm when she's talking about herself she struggles to be warm when she's talking about other people like she's not even looked after those goats properly has she well she forgets she's got them most of the time <laughs> like the whole orchard she forgot she had till someone said what about the orchard like the what now oh the orchard yes yes let's let's build a cafe in it I, yeah. I remember pat being pregnant and having to have her smoking um i think she just cut down rather than give up and she had a lot of trouble giving up smoking and she felt she had to do it and it, it occurs to me that maybe she rather resented whichever child it was, I think it might have been Helen. Helen had a dislocated hip oh, yes. and spent yes. her very early childhood in a splint. And those, you know, that might have been a problem, a bit like Chris's cleft palate or, or whatever it was he had that, that Susan found difficult. I, I think Pant was not a bad mother, but I don't think she was that good. I remember she kept her laundry in a basket halfway up the stairs, which seemed to me to be perfectly reasonable. Anybody else want to offer an 80s, the 80s childhood bridge pop analysis? She doesn't seem like a very good granny. Tony is with the kids more. Yeah, but also I don't think we've heard much from Pat. Is she weirdly older than she sounds? Because she might, that might Listen be why. To this. Tony, Tom was born because she hadn't taken the pill because Tony had been ill with lockjaw. Leslie would defend this position. I want to know about this. Where are you? Come and come and. Is that a real thing? I don't know. We could listen. I'd quite enjoy it if Tony had lockjaw. Yeah, it's true. I'm sure it's true. Yeah. Wow. Give us any. I can't remember. It's one of those things that you know have these sudden things that flare up and then you never hear about them again so they don't really last in your memory but I do seem I'm sure I remember that happening somebody else must remember it I would dislike to right. suggest that yeah. anybody of a sensitive disposition get out of the chat because lockjaw rumpo it's all kind of happening down there now so you know and <laughs> um, that's interesting. Oh, Helen Burroughs said yeah. that as well. <laughs> Good. Yeah. Lockjaw. Wow, there we are. I've made it up. <laughs> yes, interesting. Fiona River says she's looking how lovely Betty was. Now, my oh. on the group when we were look, we've got Kerry tomorrow, Lucy. He's coming to do listen along with us, and then we're going to try and eviscerate him for future schemes. Um, and not let him leave until he promises Mungo will be back by the end of the year. Um, and other things like uh, Aunt Laura, who had, is in fact, um, is, um, is Catherine Hoskins finally asleep? Or is, um, or is she here? Because she's the Aunt Laura expert. Because whilst we appreciate a bit of Tregoran and Fairbrother action, like go back to the archive, Aunt Laura, uh, Aunt Laura, who went to New Zealand, her family tree gives us this whole world of storylines. And if we're looking again, 10, 20, 15, 35 years hence, then um, I realise that sounded like I was trying to um, strategize an American football thing there. I'm sorry about that. Um, then, then something about um, that branch of the family could just be amazing. Has Catherine finally gone to sleep, everybody? I mean, she is in NZ. 
she's been she's basically managed to do all the sessions despite being 12 hours behind i think she's and i think she's gone um Sarah Dolan, do you know her specific point on aunt laura because i can't remember the detail but i'm just quite into it no i can't remember i'm afraid i can remember yeah philippa you can bring it she was a widow she was a widow of dan's brother who i think was called bill but i might be wrong about that i think he and was bill called frank and I think he right. met Aunt Laura in New Zealand. But after he died, she was very well off. And yeah. she came to Ambridge and had a lot of money and helped people. I think she was particularly kind to Tony. And at some point, she lost her money and needed lodgers to help pay the rates. And she got Colonel, uh, Colonel Danby. Danby. It was Colonel Danby, wasn't it? Yeah. Yes. And he moved in with her as a lodger. And then I think they became really good friends. I don't know if there was any more than that. But she was, was she had been very well off. And I think at the end of her life, she wasn't that rich. And that's over a period of it must be 15 or 20 years. Yes, because there were two Colonel, two actors playing Colonel Danby. Yes, you're right. See? But I think there was only ever one Aunt was, Laura. Her will was under. And he died after her, didn't he? She survived the first, I mean, the character, how can I put this? Um, she went through two Colonel Danby's and she died Haven't before we all? the second <laughs> Colonel Danby. She was going That's to leave um, Ambridge Hall to Colonel Danby who didn't sign the will. She, she, she came to... She came to Ambridge in 1957, or came to the UK in 1957, after Dan's brother Frank had died, and she died in Ambridge in 1985. Mm. So she was in the show for quite a long time. The encyclopedia says... Yeah, that, I'm reading that. Yeah, she died. She had intended Freddie to inherit Ambridge Hall... The only copy of her will that could be found was unsigned. And then eventually the, her money went to Judy Wilson, the granddaughter of her younger brother, who claimed, came forward to claim the inheritance. Ambridge Hall was sold and Freddie had to leave. Freddie being, Freddie being Colonel Danby, is that? Yeah. yeah. Oh, I suppose so, yes. I, I was thinking of um, no, other Freddie. But the other I, Freddie wouldn't have been born. No, <laughs> yes, true. Freddie Danby. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, this is excellent for me that we're we're arguing about something that happened in 1985 <laughs> that we're not very clear about because this is the kind this is exactly what we're here for, right? This is this is why we do this because I think we need, we need to urgently bottom this out because what is going on in something that hasn't happened for 35 years is you know this is this is this is the shit. Okay, this is this is this is the stuff. Um. I'm just checking that we haven't got to feed the meter. Um, Lucy, do you need another seven thousand pounds to keep going, or are you? Uh, is, this, is the initial seven thousand yes. in the normal the arrangement? The normal arrangement, Nicola. The normal <laughs> arrangement. No, but brown paper bag or in kind, like. Before. I was just going to say, you make me feel so dirty. <laughs> right. As long as you're right to keep going. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Good. Right, anybody got anything else that they want to ask Ambridge's foremost commentator, the great Lucy V. Freeman of Ambridge oh. on the Couch? Carl Jonas says he's going to send Chris Carter to me. That's very nice. Thank you very much. 
We had an amazing paper earlier. Not dressed as Jesus, though. That, not dressed as Jesus this time. In, in his little apron, little leather apron. Lovely. Oh, my God. That's a filth. Um, <laughs> and nothing else. Yeah. Can I, um, well, there is a question about Chris Carter. So we had, we had a, a, a thing earlier. We had an amazing woman talking about how visually impaired people mm. are on a level playing field in their mm. appreciation of the arches, which mm -hmm. was just fantastic, wasn't it? Mm -hmm. I mean, we're so inclusive. We even had Americans earlier, Lucy, so inclusive. Um, I know, right? You have subtitles. They can't help it. So, um, so uh, I've completely forgotten why I started on that. Oh yeah, and I said, who's the sexiest person in the village? And I just thought it should be a shoe-in for Chris Carter. And she said, Jazza. And I was oh. like, I thought we all thought my mum is not impressed with the Jazza reference. I see that, mum. <laughs> I just think, um, I just think that Chris Carter, as well, you know, he was born with a cleft lip and palate, but he's supposed to be like pulled up, right? He's supposed to be fine. Yeah, Chris is supposed to be the kind of rural. He's like Seth on in Cold Comfort Farm, you know, prowling around, sort of. Sexy. But he is so dense, isn't he? You'd have to just shush. Not so this is the question, darling. Is Peggy right? Is the whiff of a few nappies, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, going to have Alice? Yeah. Just, is this? Yeah. Is this? Are they going to go there with the full Armageddon of that family? Harriet thinks. My co-presenter Harriet thinks that they won't do that because they won't do a storyline that directly affects the health of a child because it will be too upsetting. They managed to keep Henry out of the Rob storyline until right up to the end when he saw what was happening, but even then he wasn't particularly involved. Oh and my God, said, is, we, had, we had a paper on that. It's so unbelievable that Helen had never met Henry mm. the entire time of the whole course of Quintana yeah. storyline. They'd never been in the same place. Oh. Yeah. Well, yeah. for either of them, who would want to be in the same room with either of them? I <laughs> know, oh, but that was why everyone was like, well, my grandchildren are two years older and they can reach Cicero. Yeah, I think that they won't do that. I think they won't push it to, um, to that length where the child is actually um, at risk. They will either be a lightning conversion when she has the baby, which would really, really annoy me, because nothing exactly nothing is going to make you want to become an alcoholic more than having a small child um and yeah. but i yeah. think there will be postnatal depression i think that will probably someone's just said that as well Stephen, Stephen B has just said that yeah. actually and yeah. before we we go on i just want to say um Carolyn henshaw and michelle can you hold on to your questions because i want to come to those those questions um very soon actually so lou gillies um she was the final paper of the marathon today the 15th paper 15 papers lucy we've had today no one wow a glass of wine. her she's an expert in genetic counseling and she was saying that she doesn't think it's going to be um FASD either lou do you want to say something about any of that i think that the, when the baby comes the baby's going to be absolutely fine while it's a baby and no one's really going to notice anything wrong until that child's at school and maybe sort of like eight nine maybe if anything i think and by that time they'll hope that everybody's forgotten about it anyway unless alice's alcoholism really hits hard but that no one's ever looked at henry and thought do you know what there may be something amiss with this child who really struggles to make relationships is thumping other kids at nursery is 
you know, behaves weird, gets very attached to things and then rejects them and blah, 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 blah. And he's never been given therapy or counselling or anything, has he? So they're remarkably unobservant about children's behaviour. And there was my paper last year. This is She's an absolute recidivist. This is normative behaviour for average, isn't it? We had a brilliant kind of thought experiment about the 18-year-olds propping up the bar and the bull and who's going to be the more psychotic. So yeah. Will's kids or Henry. Yeah. I mean, what is this? Yeah. We're yeah. meeting out the household trauma. Yeah. I think yeah. Rory and Mia's kids will be fine though. <laughs> um, Carolyn Henshaw, can we go to your question now, please? Uh, yes. Um, Lucy, what's your top prediction for the next long tail? educational storyline so mm. we've had coercive control we've had modern slavery um which seam is ripe for the mining we your... haven't had depression for a while uh and then maybe i mean i was going to say long covid but nobody's had covid so they're not going to have long covid if they haven't had covid covid are they but um i think it the, 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 i talked to kerry about the sepsis storyline and he said, well, it came from the press office. It was sepsis week or something. And it was sort of, it's kind of, things get catapulted onto them. So it's really, really hard to predict because it depends whatever, which charity is kind of coming up, you know, is kind of been chosen by the BBC as, as a sort of a, a good, because sepsis also appeared in, was it EastEnders as well? I think it appeared in- Yeah, it was one of them, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. Um, Oh, yeah, we did have, sorry, yes, Elizabeth suffered with depression. I think, yeah, well, I, somebody well, said yeah. me is going to come out as non-binary. Yes, I think we've got to cover that because that's, to, but then we've got one bisexual in the village. We haven't even got anybody, we haven't even got a lesbian, for God's sake. We lost our lesbian, we didn't chip her and she wandered off and she's not come back. No, there were two nearly, the two, the two lesbians came and visited and I went, wait, this goes to the Michelle Laverick's question. Michelle, are you there? Can you say your question? Yeah, I just wanted to ask, with the return of Mia, has Generation Woke finally arrived in Ambridge? But yes, but they've made it really kind of um, A-level-y, haven't they? They've made it like an A-level drama-rama thing. So it's like, now I'm going to tell you all about, what was it? Veganism and why we should never eat meat ever again. And Eddie says, oh, well, that's the point of view, but don't forget this. And she says, oh, all right, then, sorry. And that's it. And it's kind of like a, a very um, uh, um, superficial. It, it's kind of quite patronising to teenagers, isn't it? It's just saying, oh, yes, we know what you're like, you teenagers, and you just come along and tell us all why we're wrong sort of thing. But, uh, and they are irritating teenagers, let's face it. They but are. It was kind of a a bit dismissive and then he, she gets you know she gets put right by eddie grundy for crying out loud which I, yeah i didn't swallow that as as much as you know uncle kerry god and all the rest of it there, there can be some lump and exposition in the arches, oh my god let's be honest. so what do you i mean is this signaling something if you think about the mother the aunts the grandmothers that mia has do you think this is signalling something different for a Grundy woman? Is it a trajectory of the Grundy woman? Well, it was interesting the way, because Harriet said they could have, I'm just telling you the whole of what's going to happen on Ambridge tomorrow, which is stupid. But, um, they could have just not bothered with that nonsense with Eddie, because Clary said, blimey, this means I've got, I've got to make 
was it quiche without eggs and cheese and butter? And that was what she was worrying about. And that's like the real issues. It is. It's only a What's wrong with that? Is that right? <laughs> and, that, and that's what I, well, there was a thread in our Facebook group in the week because I was saying that my sister, age nine, just made this unilateral decision for animal cruelty reasons that she was never going to eat meat again. And that would have been 1985, six-ish. Mm. And that was really transgressive, right? So mm. she, you know, yeah. she just, and she just yeah. went, no... And, she, and I remember, you know, she had a few um, anti-vivisection leaflets around the place, but it was just like, no, this is what I'm doing. But now, and and I know a Newcastle granny was hilarious with her, this cottage pie is vegetarian, you know, it's like, well, no, it's really not, Brad. It's like, you know, and, but the difference between that stand in the 80s and now where you can go into KFC and get vegan everything, yeah, it's a very no. different thing. And what I want them to do is to take the kind of... Um, because Kate has become this parody, but actually Kate's fine. You know, it's the same as yeah. like Charles's environmentalism yeah. was cranky, but now it's yeah. mainstream. Yeah. Can, we, yeah. can we reverse out of Kate's veganism being like this big crank thing and just being yeah. like, you know, anyone you meet under 20 will tell you their yeah. approach to how they minimize yeah. meat for carbon reasons. Like, yeah. you know. But I mean, Brian always being in some sort of umbrage about anything that doesn't have meat in it is a scene to always be savored. So can we never stop those particular scenes? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I just love the way everyone goes, is Kate cooking? Whenever they say, would you like to come? I was like, Kate, no, no, you're fine. You're fine, you're fine. Oh, we're going for a flaming slap up feed it'll be delicious around is a hundred <laughs> jesus <laughs> wet like, you know oh don't worry maybe jennifer's been delivering now jennifer has not been heard of for a long time and no she hasn't <laughs> not as long ago as pat 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 has, wasn't didn't have no. full last year no she didn't no, christmas I'm... 2019 really last I mean, she appeared Again, so Lucy, your your man in um, Dumpty Dum does the character counts. It's fascinating who we haven't heard from for a ridiculously yeah. long time. Yeah. And yet we can always hear from bloody Pip. Yeah, we don't seem to notice a lot of the time. It's interesting who you don't notice you haven't heard from. And because yeah. you think, well, do we still it? need well, them? One of the questions last night was around how many days Pip hadn't been in. Pip hadn't been in for months and months and months last year. It didn't feel like that, though. No. <laughs> No, it really it didn't. Can <laughs> I just do a housekeeping point? So Jonathan Hustler, bless them, whose busy day is Sunday because he's sort of, you know, number two to God in the Methodist church, said, oh, I'm tired now, I've got to go. It's perfectly fine if you drop off. This is just idle chat. As I say, I keep on saying, you know, if you, you haven't been in formal education to sit through 15 hard papers in a day, that is an I mean, Iron Man. I mean, just human, doesn't matter about education. That's an Iron Man performance. So don't, don't frazzle, you know, feel free to kind of, you know, go gentle into that good night because you've done a shift today. Tomorrow is easier. Tomorrow is just the listen along yeah. and then... your pajamas. But um, I don't want you to underestimate the cognitive work that you've done today in, in, in absorbing all those papers. And I know that we didn't have a lot of time to chat kind of idly with our presenters, but um, as I say, we'll have to find some space because once, once it sort of settles down a bit, I find it's like the week after when you're like, oh, that was the thing that, that was the thing that was the most interesting. So you're perfect. So you weren't, they're not offended if you, if you wander off. We might even get some dinner at some point. Yeah, because, um, be amazing. 
So, um, so it's gone in the chat now, but Pat was asking about Brexit. When will they ever mention Brexit? Now, as much as that and with COVID, there's been so much, you know, flip-flapping around with that. Mm. It's those, both of these things are going to come home to roost for us as a society. Mm. They can't, it can't be forever that they avoid both of those things, surely. It's not given that we're going into the worst recession that we've ever known. I mean... They'll catch but up. Well, yes, Adam, Carl uh, uh, Jonas said, uh, wasn't Adam a Brexiter? Yes, he was. And he did justify it to uh, Brian and he justified it to um, Kate very briefly, I think, without going into very much detail at all. But I think because any because they're three months in hand, anything that's a continually evolving situation, they just couldn't put Ambridge in any tier at all in terms yeah. of COVID. They, 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 they can't predict what's going to happen um, with, with, they can't even, they haven't sorted out fishing. They're not going to sort out, you know, the agricultural policy. So they're just going to have to keep fluffing it and fudging it for as long as they possibly can, which is both infuriating and hilarious. That they I saw the most brilliant tweet, which was, there's more drama on farming today than there is in the archers. Because yeah. on farming, you know, anyone that's ever suffered from insomnia or getting up really early, farming today used to be like, oh, should we do a badger cull? And now it's like, yeah. farming, fishing, are still wanging on about somebody's pension not bringing in eight billion pounds a year exactly no, more, yeah. or their flaming set aside isn't quite returning or whatever <laughs> it's like if you in, in, in some i would advise you to listen again to farming today because those people are apoplectic yeah. with rage yeah. Yeah. And the voice of then of the food and farming community is kind of, you know, I know, Bill, it's not very nice. The badger car stuff is, is, is a drama. Yeah, yeah. But if that was the only public policy issue that was farming today was managing, mm. rather than like the destruction of the livelihoods of the majority of the people who are kind of there for yeah, audience. Yeah. Yeah. I did really like um, little Mia's comment to... Uh, Clary about smashing the patriarchy because mm. Clary just did not know what to she said the what sort of the, the what <laughs> and then when she said why would you want to get married twice mm. you know and Clary you right. suddenly had this and I just <laughs> saw this I could imagine this kind of really brief flash across Clary's face where she suddenly had this vision of what her life could have been if she hadn't got saddled with Eddie I must well. say, like, I, I think I do pretty well on the not fangirling you need to be feminine, but when we were first dumpty, <laughs> I could be more effusive, but one of the first dumpty dums I ever heard, you, it was when Will had completely gone off the farm and it was all a bit, mm. it was pretty mm. bonkers. You gone said, off the rails, gone off the farm. you said um, that Will, every single time Clary has gone, oh, Eddie, that rage has gone mm. directly into her son. Yeah. And that's why he's such yeah. a fucker. Yeah. And do you know what? I think that was one of the most astute yeah. things anyone's ever said about the village because Clary is not a stupid woman. Yeah. Clary could have, would have, should have done other things. She's she just squashed it all down. Damn right. Squash mm. it down. Don't mm. squash it down. Squash yeah. it down. Yeah. Oh, Eddie. Oh, yeah. you just wanted me again 65 yeah. times before lunch. Like, yeah. yeah. And that's the thing is that yeah. like, bringing forward you know feminism isn't about making speeches it's about women having choices mm. that they can affect to change their 
you know. Yeah. Sorry. Look, but Clary really loves Eddie because does. Um, her dad, Jethro, was really adamant that she shouldn't go out with him. Because he was a chancer and, and he was These old episodes I heard had them when they first started going out together. And mm. Jethro and Joe were both very opposed to them mm. getting together. Wasn't that because Jolene was around as well? Or the Lily no, of Leighton I know. She was then? It was prior to that. Oh, okay. Clary, Clary was a barmaid. Oh, in, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Originally. Yeah. I agree. There's a, there is an alternate, a much more autonomous version of Clary. But then mm. Clary's been wandering for a few years with change of actor and blah, blah, blah. And she's a yeah. bit character at the moment. Yeah. But, you know, yeah, I mean, so the, the sort of smashing the patriarchy cell hidden in place site in Ambridge comprises the Buttons, uh, Mia, and Esther Pickle. Who? Yeah? I'm fine. Fuck off. She doesn't want children, and that's as radical as it gets. She's still going to be scrubbing that man's smalls while he yeah. meanders around the place. Right, it's 8.04, peeps, and we've all been online for an extremely long time. I think if our illustrious guest um, feels like she's had enough of us... Well, my, I, I, I record and I'm talking to you from a shed at the bottom of the garden, and I can see the kitchen, cold. which is lit up, and there are pizza boxes being opened. I really would quite like to go and see... The archers, round of applause for Lucy Freeman, because... Thank you very much. Everybody loves you. Very, very lovely. It has been the most exciting Saturday night I have had since March. <laughs> and I'm not joking, Saturday. Wow. <laughs> if anybody, Leslie Wood is clapping. If anybody hasn't got cottoned on to the podcast, Ambridge on the Couch, then wow, have you got some fun? Because there's probably about how many now? 12, 15, Lucy? Uh, something like that. I don't know. Feels like so. That's twelve fifteen hours of this analysis, and I've got to say that's hilarious. Honestly, it's the funniest thing you will oh, hear. Thank you. It really is. It is sublime. Uh, uh, it's, it, I cannot praise it enough. It's so so funny. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> so we'll um yeah we'll uh, we'll be in touch very soon. And thanks okay. so much. Bye bye everybody. Thank you. Have a lovely tomorrow. Bye. Bye. So, stalwart, there's 91 of us still remaining. To be honest, I think I'm done. Sarah, lovely suit. Sarah spilled for it. Beautiful. Absolutely gorgeous. Look at that. Cobalt suit. Oh, yeah. That's happening for us. Yes. Can I just ask how tomorrow's going to work? How how are we going to do this? Because when we, right. when I've been in, um, when I, when I came to Sheffield, we listened along and we had the tweets up on the wall. It was awesome. What, how are we going to do it? <laughs> or have you not got that far? You're just going to drink until 10 o'clock tomorrow morning and deal with it then. <laughs> yeah. That's like the yeah. Karen Pollock and Gary Gilday. That's not our style. And okay. um, what we did before was literally, we just all came on Zoom, all put our mics on mute, and we all just listened together. <laughs> and then the chat was pretty active. And then in the chat, people got active. Yeah. Okay. Because you can't. You can't broadcast no. it because it feeds back. It's a nightmare. So you need to turn up in a way that you can listen to the archers on your laptop and then have the faces of people. But the chat will still be happening. Yeah. We could put up a tweet wall, but I think people have been much more in the chat than on, on Twitter. 
I haven't been on Twitter at all today. No, I know. On all of my hilarious gifts. We've just completely dominated your entire attention for the whole day. I know. (laughs) So that's basically it. But then once the the omnibus is over and we've got Kerry, we'll basically kind of interview him and interview him with the questions that we've had and hopefully throw it open. So it's definitely worth hanging on for that because as we all know, Kerry is good box office. But if you want to keep talking to one another, that's totally fine. I just think that we're a bit done because, you know, we're tired and hungry. Tired and hungry, a bit pissed. Yeah, so on the Kerry thing, there's a post on the Facebook group that says, any questions for Kerry, put them in the comments here. And I'm going to cull from those tomorrow. Um, And we've asked for, like, think of a question that Kerry has never been asked before. And Kerry, bless him, has said, um, I can't talk about future, you know, stuff that's coming up, but everything else, there's nothing off limits. So have a think tonight. We'll call it tonight and then tomorrow morning. I mean, you are allowed to address him directly. You don't have yes, to, like, avert will, your we, eyes. But, we like, will, we will open it up. but we do try and protect him a bit because, you know, the sort of full force of... I don't think he was a little bit of a control and high in terms of the challenge. Um, We've got some that's not for understand why. So, what, so we're proposing to step out. If maybe the Saturday group or whoever are still going, then that's great. And if anyone wants to take over, fantastic. But I don't want to feel that you can't leave. You know, it's not like the Hotel California. So we could just call an end to it, or you can talk to one another, or you can go to Facebook, you know, as I say, I, it's been a wonderful day, but it's been a it's been a lot. It's been a long day for us. So basically, um, we can keep the Zoom open uh, for you to carry on talking and chatting with each other. Nick and I are going to go and get some big carbohydrate Italian food, but we'll see you tomorrow. But if, if you do want to carry on talking, just nominate somebody, and I'll make you the host, and off you go. And you say Helen Burrows is saying she's off to Facebook. That makes sense to me, and. Can I just say, guys, next year in person, I am hugging everybody. 